welcome back to the show. We're in the middle of a series of episodes that were recorded on Kauai. This episode is the second part of an interview with professional MMA fighter, professional surfer, and activist Dustin Barca. I'd encourage you to go back and listen to part one if you haven't already before proceeding with this episode. In part one, Dustin shares his origin story about growing up in Kauai, the influences that shaped him, him achieving his goal of surfing on the world championship tour, and how he dealt with the loss of his good friend, Andy Irons. All of that helps provide a better context for our conversation here, which uh, focuses more on his political ambitions, his activism, running for mayor, and a lot of what you've seen of him in the last five years. So one other detail is that we're down to the final two days of the open period to win the Timponi Maui Leaflight constructed channel bottom bat-tailed nub model surfboard. Our network is listener supported. So the names of each of the donors who contribute this month will be entered to win this board. One lucky winner will be picked at random on May 1st. And then I'll put you in contact with Jeff Timponi and he will build the surfboard custom to your specs. You will only be responsible for any potential shipping costs. We recommend in regard to donation, um, setting up a $5 monthly donation, but any size donation will get you entered to win. For that price, you will get at least 12 new episodes a month between the weekly episodes of Surf Splendor, uh, four episodes as well of The Grit and then Spit. Scott and I just decided to do weekly as of last week, so now you'll have four of those a month. And then also Donald Brink is on a weekly roll with his show, Swell With My Soul. So it's all available for free, but your donations go a long way towards covering costs involved in doing all of this. So thank you for that. And um, rather than playing you a bit of audio from Nick and Jeff Timponi, which I've been doing, I'm actually going to publish that as an addendum piece. They have a lot to share, and it's not just about that board's design, but also about sustainability in surfboard building at large. And the reason why sustainability is particularly important is because that this board is being built in their Maui Leaflight construction as a way to acknowledge and bring attention to Earth Day this month. So the Timponis in this piece, they share their thoughts on how we can make adjustments in board building to lessen our environmental impact. You can check your podcast feed for that bonus episode. It should be there right now. You can also see images of the nub model, the board that they'll build custom for you. And you can support us on surfsplendorpodcast.com slash donate or on Venmo at surfsplendor. Thank you for that. And a huge thanks to Tim Pony Surfboards. Okay, without further ado, my name is, of course, David Scales for Surf Splendor. And here is part two of my conversation with Dustin Barker. Enjoy. Who's Pat Tenori to you? Pat Tenori is, um, now he's one of the best friends I have in the world, but one of the best humans freaking I've ever come across. He just, that guy's puts his whole life into helping people. Like, closest thing to like a fucking angel, like to a lot of people, you know, like, 
he works his fucking his life revolves around his business and everything but he freaking built that company out of his garage making fucking shirts in his garage he built Ruka into a freaking multi multi million dollar company sold it still the CEO or still the um, like running the company. still runs the company yeah. still the head voice in what like the direction that everything goes but um I met Pat through Makua when I used to ride for Oakley and um we instantly kind of connected because I was into training jiu-jitsu and boxing and everything and he was already just like a black belt and he was always a martial artist freaking since he was young so he'd like from the moment I met him he's like oh you like to do you like to box I got one of the best guys in the world over here I'm gonna take you over there he'd pay for me to go like have private lessons from all these like kickboxing guys and jiu-jitsu guys and set me up with all this like and I wasn't even sponsored by him. He's just like open, open his arms up to me and just became like such a good friend and just like mentor and whatnot. And um, yeah, we're always kind of just friends. And every time I go to California, I'd be like, hey, Pat, I'm in town. We go, he'd take me to eat, like freaking mentalist restaurants ever. And um, you know, when my Oakley thing was like falling apart because the whole thing that happened with Oakley is like I started fighting and I was, I was like kind of market myself as like the first ever professional surfer, professional fighter. Like nobody's ever done that. Nobody's really been a dual, dual sport professional, even in surfing really. And so um, I was like, bro, you guys fucking have like a dream marketing thing right here. And they're like, nope, we're over it. We don't fucking care. We don't, we don't support MMA. We wouldn't. We wouldn't even sponsor you anyways if it will, if we did because you're not like a UFC world champion. Like if we were going to sponsor MMA guys, we'd sponsor freaking, you know, like Randy Couture or whoever was the professional, like a champion. I'm like, well, I'm not just a freaking, I'm not just a MMA guy. I'm a fucking professional surfer. Like I'm still on the North Shore every year. And they're just like dogging me. And so like they kind of, like drop me and they're like giving me like peanuts like a thousand bucks a month or something so i went from like 200 grand a year to like a thousand bucks like in fucking in like two or three years it was crazy yeah just um, didn't fit their brand yeah just didn't fit their brand and and at the time i was so fucking mad like like fuck you guys and i fucking was holding like super heavy resentment to them and I kind of do to this day just the way they did things because they never really like told me like they were they're gonna fucking cut me or anything just like stop answering my calls stop right. yeah it's super fucking unprofessional but um pat's just like hey what's up with oakley i want to i want to i want to sponsor you so i'm like let's do it and then um just always kind of been like we've always me and my coach at the time we're just like manifesting that for years he's like really he's like bruh why don't you ride for fucking Oakley? Why don't you get sponsored by... I mean, why don't you get sponsored by Ruka? Bruh, you surf, you fight. That's like what Ruka is, bro. What the fuck? I'm like, fuck, I'd love to, bro, but I don't know if they want to do that. Like, And uh, so Pat like offered that to me, and I was just like, sign me up. I'm glad that Pat could see that potential. Yeah, well, we he'd like come here with his family like before he got divorced, and, and I'd like take them sightseeing, take them to waterfalls, and we were always like super close. 
but I was sponsored by them, and he didn't want to like interrupt that or yeah. whatever. Yeah, that's and, respectful. Um, he just seen like what I was doing at the time, and like then I started doing all the GMO stuff, and he seen like even more marketability. I was putting on these marches with thousands of people all over the fucking state and stuff, and he's like. So he saw he he you know he's a fucking visionary and he saw the the marketability he saw and he and I was a friend of his and he just like so that that's how that all started and so ever since it's just been kind of like an amazing relationship. What um why'd you want to get involved in local politics? Tell you the truth, I was in France my year I was on tour. I was staying with Laurent Pujol. And he started showing me I was hurt. I hurt my back. And I was on his floor for like three or four days. And he started playing me all these freaking movies that were like conspiracy movies. Oh, okay. So he showed me like Zeitgeist. Oh, yeah. I remember and that was that. like when it first came out. He said, This movie just came out. It's so heavy. It just shows everything that all the agenda of like the New World Order and all these things or whatever. So I started watching all these movies and just like got tr tripped out. And I was like, oh, this is freaking, this is crazy. But um, the one thing that caught my attention in that movie was like the um, the GMO thing. Because I've seen GMO stickers here all the time, like GMO free Kauai. And I never really fucking thought anything of it. I'm like, and uh, after I watched that movie, I came home and then, and then I started like researching GMO. Then I found out like the companies that were on Kauai. And I started researching all those companies, like their Wikipedias, and it shows like their histories, where they've been. Basically, everywhere they've been, they've been sued for like poisoning those communities and like being sued for poisoning communities. Everybody gets cancer. They move out of that place, they go to the next place. That place got poisoned. They sue them. They're out of that place. And I was just like, okay, well, every company who's on this island has been sued for poisoning communities. And all those companies are here on this fucking island. Operating o with operating complete carte blanche. Complete freedom. Spring, right next to schools, right next to houses. Like, crazy. Like, nobody knew what the fuck they are even involved in. And I was just like holy shit this is like my it was like the light bulb just like bing this is fucking crazy and um so i went to this one like rally and um it was like 20 hippies on the side of the road and uh me and this girl who i kind of grew up with were there and we're like talking we're all holding signs and i'm like bro where the fuck are all the hawaiians like, where's this is a fucking Hawaiian issue. Like, there should be local people here, like, fucking standing up. Like, where they're spraying is all Hawaiians. The, the west side is, like, the Hawaiian community. It's, like, Hawaiian homelands where all Hawaiian people live. And they employ a lot of those people's families. And so they're all, like, working in the company, spraying the fields, whatever. And um, it's kind of just been this big, like, elephant in the room. Like, nobody said anything. And so at that point, I'm like, bro, you know what? I'm fucking going to do something about this. And so after, I was like pissed when I left that rally. There's 20 fucking hippies, old hippie people. I'm like, 
this ain't the kind of people I'm going to freaking work with. I'm going to get the freaking local people involved. And they're getting nothing done, too. Yeah, they're not, well, because people are walking up, go home, you fucking hollies, yeah. fucking hippies. Like, I'm like saying they're like, ready to fucking fight. I'm just like, bro, what the fuck? I'm not a fucking holly hippie. Fuck. And uh, so like that year I went to the Pipe Masters and I uh, met this guy, Kevin, who had like a bunch of money. He made this movie like about um, Kamehameha schools. Uh, uh, they they uh, leased all this land to Monsanto on Oahu North Shore, and so he made this movie, and uh, he he met me, and I and I come to find out who he is, and I'm like, oh yeah, I've been doing this on Kauai, and so we end up hitting it off, and he's like, hey, you think of anything you want to do, I'll fucking financially back it, so I'm like fuck you know what i i kind of have an idea that could get like the word out to fucking a million people in one day so i told him make me this sign so i had to make me this huge sign huge banner out of like real material and it said monsanto's gmo foods poisons families and then i walked in front of the pipe masters finals during the finals kelly slater freaking all these guys in the finals and I freaking walked in front of 40,000 people on the beach, me and this little kid. And um, I think it was a little rider. Now he's like killing it, surfing pipe and stuff. But he was like a little kid. And uh, I made him walk with me in front of everybody. Everybody's like, yeah, fuck Monsanto. What's Monsanto? What's GMO? Blah, blah, blah. Like, it was like, and it was right during the finals. And we just like kind of like stole the show. So I showed it on the internet millions of people in the world seeing it freaking thousands of people on the beach and that was like my first like real like um that was like my first real activist moment where i like freaking went out of my comfort zone like fuck fucking i know so much about these companies i don't give a fuck these people are like so fucked up i'm i'm freaking i'm doing this right now and from that point on that March, that was Pipe Masters, March, three months later, I put on this these events called the March in March. I put on marches, ha, uh, Haleiwa, Kauai, Big Island, Maui, and Molokai. Everyone had, um, I call it the March in March. And it was freaking, Haleiwa had like a thousand people. Kauai had like over 2,000 people in the pouring rain. Um, Big Island had like a thousand people in Little Hilo Town marching. Then um, Maui had like 2,000 people. And then Molokai had like 500 people, like the smallest place ever. And it's all GMO over there. It's a whole Molokai. Like well, this whole town, all around all the schools, is all, all cornfields. What was your ambition with the marches? Just to raise awareness. And basically activate the whole freaking state of Hawaii to like understand what's going on. It made um, big waves. Like me in Southern California, I was immediately aware of all of that stuff. And I had never heard of, I knew what a GMO was, but I had never heard of Monsanto before as a company. Um, did they ever reach out? When did you start getting, did you start I getting got, blowback? I, I got, I, fuck. I had a lot of like articles written about me, like people, like just shills in all my posts everything just trying to like discredit what i'm saying i had freaking people writing articles and like 
all over newspapers, whatever, writing about me, like saying I'm a fucking, I'm this and that, I'm an idiot, I don't know what I'm talking about, I didn't even graduate from high school, I freaking, I don't know anything, um, blah, 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 but I actually did like fucking two years of hard research before I even did anything, like reading all the time about all these companies and like really did like hard-nosed freaking research, the pros and the cons of GMO, both sides of the spectrum, did my own common sense of fucking right and wrong, looked at their history, where they've been, and that's what really like caught my attention. And it wasn't even like the food thing. Like I know why the food is bad. It's because like a lot of that corn is like Roundup Ready corn, all this stuff where like in the genes of the plants is actually the poison to fight off the bugs. So if the bugs eat the plant, they die. So it's like I understood why I'm not eating the food. It's got poison to poison the bugs, but then we're putting it in our bodies in these tiny doses yeah, over so the course of our entire yeah, life. Yeah, it's like if it kills a bug in one bite, like throughout our lives, it's a building accumulation, accumulation of, of yeah. like a cancerous substance, basically. Which, which yeah, the we know that people are dying of cancer at record rates and there's no known cause and we know that this is happening on the other end exactly so you can connect the dots there's there's never been a cluster of cancer like there has been since this kind of food was brought in secretly into our into our food sources and nobody really knew that there's little things that were in all our food from our chips to our candies to everything that was coming from these companies. Well, corn is in everything. 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 Yeah. So one way or the other. It's crazy. And the uh, they're genetically modifying Well not just corn, but it's the corn, the soy, the beet, all these things that they're GMOing right. are are secretly put in some way. They're using them some way in almost every product in the world. Right. Not even in the world, in the country. And not just edibles, yeah. but in your plastics and totally, everything. Totally, totally. So the, they're genetically modifying the seeds, then patenting, patenting the seeds. Yep. And then that the farmers are forced basically to use so, the seeds. So they're they going have. to farms where people have no GMO. They're going over there and going with their pollen. Come back in a few months testing their crops and being like, you have infringed on our patent. And then threatening them, either taking their farms, suing them, or making them farm GMO instead of natural corn. Right. Go ahead and start using our seeds and we'll charge you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so basically these seeds would not reproduce. Like farmers always collected seeds for their next harvest. These seeds, you had to buy the next. So it was like this monopoly where they fucking put the farmers in like basically... A corner and said this is the hot, how you have to do it or else even if you don't want to do it like this we're gonna make you do it like this one way or the other right <sighs> blow some pollen in your corn oh you're infringing on our patent you don't even have a contract with us we're suing you for everything you own yeah. it's like craziest it's the craziest thing ever and they did it in Australia they've done it all over so anyways the thing that like the food thing was it's 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 you know it's an argument there's always a debate there's no debate with poison there's no good poison so what i did strategically is i focused the attention away from food and onto poison 
so like when I started going to these like group meetings, there were like all these nonprofits and in Hawaii that were like trying to do something about this, but never did. They were always like getting money from people to try to like combat this, but they never could get like a tidal wave effect like I did. And so when I came in and created all these marches and everything, it kind of like boosted their. I worked with them and I put them all on my banners and I piggybacked them into basically being the faces of the movement as far as like nonprofits go. So when people are like, well, this is fucked up. Who do we help? How can we help? So they're like giving these nonprofits money and they started making a lot of money. So anyways, put on the marches. We end up getting a bill written over here called 2491 and it's basically um, demanding that they have an environmental impact statement that they transparent with what poisons they're spraying and what they're testing here and then um, buffer zones that was the three main things in this to protect our island they fought tooth and nail Freaking buying out politicians, taking them out to lunch, talking them into it. A lot of these guys were family of people who worked for the companies. And so, like, um, the girl that I did everything with, this girl Fern, she was friends with one of the politicians, his son, and she knew him. It's her uncle Gary. And so he helped her write the bill, and he introduced it. And so in that bill... We introduced it and then we pushed it with everybody who were at our marches. We had thousands of people backing this bill. So it turned into this war over here on this island of basically people for or against poisoning our island. And so what this company did strategically is they had like a they're they're like a team of all the companies and they they like have freaking marketing geniuses come in and they say Let's divide and conquer this freaking island. We're going to go, because they're all Hawaiians over there. So they're going to say, oh, look at all these people who are for this bill are all rich, holy people from the North Shore. And look, they're wearing red. Because North Shore, like in soccer on Kauai, the North Shore is red and the West Side's blue. So it's like almost like a Bloods vs. Crips thing. And they made it into this like, bloods versus crips white versus brown thing and it really like worked for them kind of in a way even though it it didn't like really because we had thousands of people and majority of those people are local people with us but what they did to all the workers is, is and the people from the west side they said look and they'd show them pictures of like one holy person like when the kind of people i seen on the road that day yeah. he said look at who's doing this it's rich white people from the north shore trying to kick hawaiians out of their lifestyle this is the plantation lifestyle it's been this way for freaking hundreds of years look at we all wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for plantations and they want to kill that lifestyle make it all freaking princeville they want to make everywhere princeville and that's how they like turned all their workers and everything against so then They'd go and we'd have these meetings where people would testify. There'd be hundreds of people to testify. Hundreds from this side and all the workers would be paid from the companies their daily wages to come testify. 
So everybody be wearing like I made the shirts with the red and yellow, like it's like a li'i Hawaiian colors, like the kings would wear like their capes and everything would be like this red with the go yellow gold feathers. And um, so I made those colors because of that reason, because it's like strong um, colors for Hawaii. So they took it and they flipped it and they said, look, it's like North Shore red, we're blue. So I made blue shirts with like, protect your local farmers and shit. So they twisted it so hard. And um, so we'd be like, freaking at these meetings, like guys almost scrapping outside, like, fuck you, fuck you. like. And um, it was crazy. It was like the gnarliest divide and conquer ever on the island. So, that, so then they had this last final meeting. It was all day from 8 in the morning till 2 in the morning people testifying. Like thousands of people testifying from both sides. They're going and picking up all the um, convicts that were just out of jail. Paying them. Paying all these drug addicts all along the roads, everything, for come in their vans and to testify for them. That's crazy. It's insane. So, like, people we knew who just got out of jail were like, bro, they paid me to be here. And, like, people, like, drug addicts right off the street just like, oh, I got paid fucking $50 to come here today crazy. and get high. Yeah, it was just crazy. So, um, yeah, it was crazy. But we always had more people, but they had, like, strategically had people who were, like, related to the guys in the county council and shit. So finally, after that meeting, they're like, oh, we got up freaking for long this. We still can't make up our minds. And we had like a thousand people. They had like 500 or something. You know, like it was crazy. Like we always had more people. So then we're like, what the fuck? I put on this march again. I put on a march like two weeks later. I'm like, mana march, we called it. And we freaking marched the whole road in Lihue from right by the airport up to the county council building, 4,000 plus people surrounded the fucking building, chanting, pass the bill, and a um, crazy event. And I always like strategically put on my events with like well-respected local people that were like really good speakers, really like gnarly motivational speakers and freaking good bands and freaking good food. Like I'd freaking cook food for two days to feed everybody and like I always did it like did it right and so that's why our events were so successful like I always had like people who like oh that guy's speaking we want to go you know yeah. like so strategically I always put my events together like that and it's fucking it's a form of warfare you know like you had to be strategic how to like get people together and how to freaking pull so I always kind of like had that ideology on how to like that strategy on how to like really make events so that event I had like sick bands I had right on the stairs of the county council building I had like sickest like music speakers thousand four plus thousand people like the whole freaking lihui is just full of people it's crazy we stretched the line like all the way to the, like a mile long line and all the way and people were still like hundreds of people still maybe even a thousand people still not even out of the the park where we started like crazy yeah the whole rice street was full of red all the way up the road it was like the pictures are crazy and so that event happened and they end up passing the bill but what happened in the middle of all the freaking meetings is one of the county council members who used to be the mayor this lady john yukimura she went in the back room with the lawyers from that company 
and she she made amendments in the freaking bill that would make it illegal for them to govern certain things at a county level so she took she threw stuff or took stuff out that took away the legalities of us like being able to like push that bill so what happened was they passed the bill the mayor vetoed the bill and then the county council um, overrode it so then it went into court so at that time all that was going on and then the mayor run was coming up and I never thought about running for mayor ever and somehow I was in Lihui with my kid in town and I'm like I was doing something at the DMV and I seen all these GMO guys with like the lawyer of the county and all these guys I'm like oh, what the fuck's going on over here and I had my son with me I'm like get over here freaking pull him with me we go I follow the guys and they go to the county council yard and the guy uh, the mayor Carvalho who I went against was was uh, making his an his announcement that he's running for mayor again. And I look behind him, all the guys holding his signs is all the bosses for all the GMO companies. And I was like, I couldn't even contain myself. I'm all, what the fuck? And bro, the music just stopped and everybody just went, shoop, and looked at me. I was just like, look at all you corrupt piece of shit. Look at you all the guys suing you right now that's all the guys backing you up what the fuck is this They're like the guy's like what do you mean we are native hawaiian i'm a native hawaiian i told him bruh you're a fucking sellout i just freaking snapped i told him i'm like bruh you know what fuck this i'm running for mayor already fuck you fucking i like walked away grabbed my son we're freaking out of here just like walked away like snapping and i'm um, like blew their whole like party pretty much and yeah like, i like called right got on the phone with my friend fern i'm like what does it take to run for mayor it's like fuck i think you only have to be over 29 29 years old and be uh american citizen i'm like fucking sign, sign me up i mean you had to feel so when that bill gets passed but they create all these loopholes in it yeah they have suing. to be so they're so suing the county and so the mayor of that the, county they being the gmo the gmo yeah the chemical corporations who do gmo so i knew all the bosses from the meetings right and i freaking i show up there and they're all his number one supporters they're the same people who are suing him are his number one supporters and I just seen like the corruption I'm just like bro this is the most corrupt I told him I'm like, this is the most corrupt shit I've ever seen in my life yeah it's what you've seen but this is how it works this is this yeah, is the this way is. that all of politics and work. I never knew that you know like I never all the really way got, to Capitol Hill I never really got like that involved in politics like I'd, me neither I'd, I'd like write in on certain things that I thought were messed up like since I was young and I voted since I was young because my mom like made me but um now I'm like now I know the depths of politics, you know what I mean? I know how fucking corrupt it is. I know how it works. I know how lobbyists works because for years I got so involved in politics, going to the state, building in Oahu, freaking going to all these meetings, trying to pass bills and looking at all the lobbyists, taking these guys out to lunch. Bruh, 
speaking freaking moms crying about their kids being poisoned. These guys just rolling their eyes like I've never seen like such crazy corruption and it just works at all levels to like basically anything in Hawaii that's against even the whole country but anything that's against like a corporate entity's um, agenda, you know what yeah. I mean? So people like now we're fighting for Mauna Kea. Yeah, we've been a bit we've been in this huge war for Mauna Kea. And like I was arrested up there five or six years ago with the first arrests ever. And like we flew over to protect the mountain. But ever since then, it's just been like the craziest corruption just presenting itself over and over and over. Like the correlations and connections of like the corruption inside the government and who's being paid off. And it's all coming out and they're all getting in trouble for it. Kind of. And I so, mean, at the top levels, it's still absolutely happening, you know? Yeah, like, but, but like, our governor was just caught, like, basically funneling money from the TMT, the 30-meter telescope, millions of dollars through, uh, basically laundering money through a, um, these people who, these real estate company. It was he was buying a company and then they're instantly turning that over and putting his money into something else. So it was like a three-part funnel of his money, and it, he just got busted for that. So like last week, Arthur Brune thing. Yeah, Arthur Brune. I I told that guy was one of the main workers for Syngenta. No and he was, way. Yeah, he was always a drug dealer for twenty years. He was a meth dealer, and I know that because I know all the freaking gangsters on this island. Like, I've I'm good friends with a lot of like heavy people. And I've always known about the guy. And then when the GMO thing started, my friends were all, bruh, the main guy's the main meth dealer. He feeds, like, all the workers freaking ice. Right. Like, all the workers in the fields are smoking ice and working all day. Yeah. And we all knew that. And then the guy ran for mayor, and I'm, like, exposing him, writing all over social media, like, yeah, you guys vote for Brune. Vote for your local meth dealer. And people are, like, writing me, like, you're a piece of shit. How could you? Oh, just because he works for the GMO companies, you want to discredit him? Oh, bruh. You people are fucking crazy. They're like, he went to rehab, this and that. I'm all, I don't care. He still sells ice. And for the listeners, last week he was arrested and he's being indicted. So. He's he, he was arrested with a huge ring. He's the main ice dealer on the west side of the island. With pounds and pounds and pounds of and meth. mountains of evidence. Yeah, mountains of evidence. And yeah. it's been going on. And he's, while he's a county council member. Right. That's yeah. the detail. So, so you're looking at it. Bring me through the bid for mayor. Like, so, yeah, because the, part of me recognizes, I don't know, do you even feel like you could change anything? Even if you're the mayor, you're then just subject to a bunch of other higher-ups above yeah, you. Yeah, like, I mean, now that I, I mean, the thing I want to do is basically I was so, like, educated on, like, Hawaiian rights and all these things, at, you know, like I was explaining earlier, to where I was going to go in and ask the real questions. Do we really have jurisdiction? Do we really... Are we really, can you guys prove that like at a highest level on our island, I could say that and say, I want our um, judges over here to prove to everybody on Kauai that we have jurisdiction as a county, as a state over anybody born and raised in, in Hawaii. Because basically anybody born and raised in Hawaii is a Hawaiian national by law. And it's always been like that from the kingdom till now. And so... There's people actually in county councils now that are doing that on some of the islands and they're asking those questions and they're getting like, 
they're basically exposing the illegalities of, of the county and states. So I had that plan actually to do these kind of things. I had things that I want to do as a mayor that I could have like made the island better, like putting money into like things that like I wanted to focus more on like ecotourism and culture instead of like what tourism is now and revolving tourism more around the culture and education and uh, of course like fixing the roads and all that shit yeah but that wasn't my main talking points like and that's where people are like oh we don't care about that we want you to fix the roads and i'm like that's that's like of course we're going to fix the roads that's like part of what the county does but yeah. these are the bigger pictures so um those were some of the things like i was talking about and like protecting our waterways and, and making our waterways run freely again and like certain things because like there's such big issues here with water with with land with culture being like ran over by development water being stolen by like power companies and and the gmo companies like redirecting rivers and like leaving miles of river like dry and killing like ecosystems basically um your bid for mayor was unsuccessful it was, but I got like 38% of the votes or something. So it wasn't like that. What did the winner get? It was like 60 years. Oh, the balance of that? Yeah, the balance. Oh, it was okay. me versus him at the end. Got it. Because we we're the top two. Like there's four people running. After the first votes, everybody got out. And then me and him battled for like a couple more months or whatever. Gotcha. And so we'd just freaking go to all these like debates basically. And I'd freaking kill him at the debates. Kill him. Make him look like an idiot. Yeah, and um, it like we had the biggest voter voter um, registry. We had the biggest count of registered voters in the history of the island that year. And either it's extremely corrupted, the electric balloting system, or I freaking lost. But we had more voters and like in large numbers than there's ever been in the history of this island by like large numbers good and so like yeah it activated the community yeah it activated everybody educated everybody it, it you know like i didn't really think i was gonna win like when i initially did it i didn't do it to win i did it to freaking shake these guys up and basically yeah. put fear in them and like be able to like fuck with them on the public level and be like basically like expose the corruption at all these meetings and i did that but throughout that, I got so into it that I actually thought I was going to win. And so I'm so competitive that I'm like, fucking, I put like everything into it. Like I, I didn't have a big, I didn't have a big like campaign um, as far as like people helping. And I freaking knocked on thousands of doors by myself all the way to the west side where people said they're going to kill me if I came to their house. I'd go right to their house and knock on their door. Be like, hey, Allah, just like kill him with kindness. By the end, they're like, bruh, I might not vote for you, but I respect you. You know what I mean? And so like went way out of my comfort zones. I'd be in my car like, bruh, are you really going to fucking go out in this town right now? Like people said they're going to fucking kill you. I'm like, bruh, you fucking pussy. Get out of your car and just fucking Crazy. go. How did you fund the campaign? I had like a good amount of money given to me. But who? all my money went into, like, just from random people and 
you set up like a donation platform yeah 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 like so we set up a donation thing and like we had a good amount of money i, I don't know how much it was but um, like 60 grand or maybe more maybe 100 grand i don't know maybe not 100 grand i think we had maybe like 50 or 60 or something but all that went into marketing ads fucking stickers banners all the freaking little shit freaking uh yeah basically it all went into marketing like everything i did i didn't pay any of that money into my gas for driving i didn't pay any of that money into my food like everything went into like marketing and like any events we had we paid for with that money so i didn't even touch the money my friend was the one of my friends was the um, accountant or bookkeeper yeah, or bookkeeper another girl was the like campaign manager and it was me it was three of us and that's all we had helping it was pretty crazy and these guys had like hundreds of thousands of dollars like 50 people going house to house backed by chemical companies backed by chemical companies yeah it's crazy um so the real question is do you think these issues that you've just talked about that are facing Kauai, do you think politicians can even solve them is politics the answer to solve these things um i used to think that but now i think grassroots education and like togetherness is the way to deal with things like what's happening at mauna kea like mauna kea has been saved from that telescope and it's not just being saved from a telescope this mauna kea has 50 years of mismanagement on the mountain by all the telescopes that's been if anybody ever goes on youtube and looks up 50 years of mismanagement of mauna kea they'll see why we're fighting for that mountain not only is that the like the um like the sacred mountain to hawaiian people like to hawaiian people they came from that mountain their origins come from that mountain in the world mauna kea is the highest mountain on the planet from the ocean floor to the top of the mountain so these are little things but what people don't know is under mauna kea is the big one of the biggest aquifers in the world which feeds the whole islands um, water basically and these telescopes are having like nuclear waste um, spills all this kind of like chemical spills um, um, like their freaking toilets everything spilling out and it's always being hushed up and and nobody ever talks about it because it just kind of like within that community up there on the mountain and so people have come out and say what happened when they were working there eventually and like there's been crazy crazy like chemical spills up there and everything and they just like push it all into the mountain and like it never happened and so what that mountain is is a water catchment for all that water and so the part where they want to build is the last like clean peak and it's the last plateau that hasn't been touched up there and that's that plateau is really sacred to the hawaiian people but for me the water is one of the most important things that most people can relate to because by digging that deep into that mountain they can't guarantee that they're going to fuck up the catchment system and how the water like 
goes into that aquifer and how their chemicals are going to be kept from going into the aquifer and all these other things. There's no guarantees, you know. So, like, for me, I understand the spiritual side of Hawaiian people and their fight for why they're standing up for the mountain. But I also understand the other side that nobody really talks about, and that's the water. And that's, you know, that's like, for me, that's something that you can, like, more people can relate to, like, protecting the water source of the whole island. Yeah. The spiritual thing, like, not everybody's spiritual, and people who believe in science usually aren't. They believe in science. They don't believe in spirituality, majority of them. Right. Because the science world doesn't believe in spirituality. They believe that everything was came from space and the big boom and freaking there's no God. There's just, you know, so with Hawaiians, they believe in a lot of gods and how they were created, and they understand their oral history and where they come from and their mo'olelo, which is their historical story. And so they know who they are and where they came from, and they know who their gods are and who created them and what they what would, what they did and all these things. And they, even though they're some of them might be Christian or Jehovah Witness or another religion, once they get involved in their language and understanding their history, they understand what part these gods or entities played in their history. Right. So they all stand up for this and their culture and why the mountain so sacred so what Mauna Kea has shown us is how community and togetherness and education really can can move mountains and can block mountains and can save mountains and can like keep away those billion dollar entities if we just stand together and we stand not in violence but in like peaceful protest right you know and to me that's always been kind of my motto and all my marches and everything has been like holding ourselves accountable for everybody. Like everybody in this march, I tell them in the beginning, represents everybody in the march. If you do something stupid or she does something stupid or you do something, that's the one thing they're looking for to make us all look bad. So we are all need to be held at the highest level of respect and the highest level of humility in everything we do. And that's where this whole, like, and I was doing that back then, but now to see it at this level at Mauna Kea is, like, amazing. Yeah. And, and to be there through every single time that there's ever been a stand there, yeah. for me, has been, like, life-changing. Like, okay. anybody who goes there and hangs with the people and, and learns, like, part of that culture and the humility and the aloha that's up there will, like, it's a life-changing experience right. for anybody. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, Do you feel like that fight against the local GMOs on Kauai is lost? No, because it's, it's like a lot of those companies have left. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Like there was five of the biggest companies in the world other than Monsanto. Monsanto was the first one here, and then they moved to Oahu. But we had Syngenta, Dow, DuPont Pioneer, um and um, BASF. BASF is the company with um, Bayer who ran the concentration camp at Auschwitz. Those are the two companies that their Auschwitz was a slave labor camp building two huge factories for Bayer and BASF. And they're testing chemicals and 
medicine and all this shit on the people so when you understand the history of these companies and i'm like okay so we have fucking nazi companies who did experiments on people and they're doing their experiments here but so what what i forgot to leave out is everything going on this island with gmo is all experimental it's not farming like they do in the midwest with like big corn they're they're it's all experimental seed crops here where they're growing the seed testing it seeing how the chemicals react with each other testing new chemicals that they're creating all that is what's going on in Kauai. it's and not potentially poisoning the land guaranteed poisoning the land yeah that's why they didn't want to do environmental impact statements right. so the communities around those fields are being exposed to like the highest quantities of it's they're being exposed to 15 times more um chemicals like not just chemicals but um there's regular pesticides and there's rup restricted use pesticides so on Kauai, they're spraying 15 times more restricted use pesticides than anywhere else in the country or even the world i think and so that's because like that's per acre and they're not using all the acres but majority of their acres are around the communities around the schools around not really anymore they've moved a little bit back but what we were fighting what for was buffer zones around the communities and schools and um you see like this is light wind yeah you can see it outside this is like a 15 maybe a mile per hour trade wind or whatever majority of the days here are like a 15 to 40 mile per hour gusts trade winds so if people are spraying even if it's a hundred yards if there's if it's however far if you go to the west side across the river from the, um say like um dupont pioneer dupont all their houses have red dirt all over them they get that comes from across the river because it's high up and it flies down and covers everybody's houses red dirt so if you come to my friend's house he lives right across the river from dupont right on the side of his house your whole finger will be like this thick of dirt that dirt comes from the field where they're spraying these restricted use pesticides that are freaking extremely poisonous so everybody in the community's houses are being lathered in red dirt that's covered in cancerous pesticides majority of it they're using a lot of roundup they're using um paraquat they're using freaking all these heavy chemicals and um you know we've had people like tyrone hayes tyrone hayes is this amazing scientist that worked for one of the chemical companies and found out that their chemical was um turning frogs into hermaphrodites basically turning male frogs into females female frogs into males and so he did all these tests he's like oh whoa we can't we can't use this um chemical because it's corrupting the chromosomes yeah it's it's fucking up with the the, the genes and the chromosomes of human beings i mean frogs have the same their whole intestinal and everything is real similar to a human so they do tests with frogs to like see how it works on humans gotcha so basically that chemical is in the water of here super in the water of the west side like it's in the water table and um so 
that guy came here and did some speeches. Beautiful um, guy, just like amazing. He's been freaking threatened. His life's been threatened so much for going against the company that hired him. And they said, oh, thanks for that. We're not going to tell anybody that, but it's good that you find that out. And he's like, well, we're, we're still going to use the chemical? And they're like, yeah, that's our freaking main money maker. And he's like, I'm out. Crazy. Yeah. So if you ever look up Tyrone Hayes, if you looked him up, yeah. you'd see, like, did all his research on atrazine. And he's like, he's a... Um, biologist and professor of um, in integrative biology at the University of California Berkeley gotcha and so super well respected super like super awesome guy I've done like speeches with him before and stuff and um, he that chemical is in our water here it's in our water table so basically people are drinking that every single day of their life and even if it's just a little bit it builds up throughout time yeah. and now you have like the highest cancer clusters the highest like birth defects all in this community surrounded by these companies and then the guy who's the lawyer for the companies ends up being the head of the hospital so it's like this revolving door of corruption over there like hiding all the information of like the health and so I know nurses who've worked there and doctors who've worked there who left because of the, they've seen the gnarliest shit ever and then watching them cover it up and lie about it. Yeah. And yet, this is where you're raising your kids. This is where we're raising our kids and that's why I got so involved because I was a young dad, you know, my kids were freaking just starting to be born. I started like thinking about the future, you know. And for us, it's freaking all about the future. It's all about the kids. The kids are the future, you know. And like, if they're unhealthy, the planet's unhealthy, our environment's unhealthy, there's no future. Do you feel optimistic about them growing up on Kauai? I feel, I mean, I feel optimistic while I'm growing up here. And I, I mean, I'd feel more optimistic, optimistic about them growing up in America. But <laughs> because it's like over there, it's just like it's crazy what's in the water there and stuff. Yeah. You know, I, so. I mean, I recognize there's corruption everywhere, but on the mainland, it feels too giant, and there's so much gray area yeah. that I almost just turn a blind eye. It's but easier to. He, here, yeah. it's a lot more obvious. Totally. You know, totally. it's a microcosm, and you can see if something's being poisoned, the direct effects of it. Well, that's why we're working on the next generation to educate them, to get their spirit and mind and like everything yeah. lined up to understand that this is the direction to go. Yeah. You know? And so like with us, it took us this long to even realize anything's even going on. Even open your eyes. Yeah. yeah. So they already know what's wrong. And they know not to like support that. They know not to go into that. They know that this is the direction they want to go in yeah you know what i mean so for us we're doing everything we can that they don't have to fight like we did you know good do you um what is their educational opportunities and economic opportunities on Kauai? their educational opportunities i mean we have a college here you know we have a are the schools good public schools I mean, it's, a, it's a form of university of hawaii it's a branch you know it's a Kauai community college but they have good classes and then you can just go to oahu for the next to finish your degrees or whatever so you can get a good education here in hawaii 
as far as like working it's hard to like sustain yourself and not be involved in tourism you know what i mean for me i have a niche you can have like what i have at kickboxing school and that's you know what i mean that's it that's like my little niche i don't have to freaking i'm not giving i'm not a slave to tourism you know what i mean and that gives me an ability to speak up about it because oh who would you be without tourism i wouldn't be i'd be the same person i am now right you know what i mean so that's always like a big issue it's like oh you know if you ever get in an argument with like some like a very fucking egotistical tourist about something or an ignorant tourist who wants to argue about parking however they want it or doing something stupid and you're like hey fucking what the fuck and you see it all the time over here where they're like are you dumb fucking tourists you guys fucking have no respect and they're like well you'd be nobody without us you know and i mean hey the tourist industry does pay a lot of people's bills and whatnot but it just doesn't give people the opportunity like it doesn't give them that like entitlement right. to do whatever the fuck they want you know? so for us we're trying to create businesses that are more focused on community like how can we support community and like you know so getting more people farming getting people eating local food getting more you know just local owned businesses pushing for local people to support you know tourism is always going to be part of this place but how when tourism when all decisions are made to make tourism happy and not the people paying the taxes here that's when you got a problem totally you know what i mean and that's where we are on this island where we've gone so past any like respect for your taxpayer your local taxpayer who's actually like the tourist industry isn't paying that much taxes when it comes down to it the people pay for it like the roads the freaking the majority of things come from our working class people's money it doesn't come from tourism so the tourist industry is like the biggest business in hawaii and at the end of the day the like the board of tourism and all that they don't put that much like they don't pay that much like they don't pay for that much when it comes to like putting back into the island i mean the infrastructure is built by the locals it's all built by the the locals the taxes are paid by the locals even though the money coming in is a lot of tourist money that money filters back from the hotels into the tourist bureau and the tourist industry but the it's your hard working people that are actually like paying for the roads for the parking lots for the you know what i mean so our island is slowly getting gentrified to to like cater to comfort of tourism and what the people come to this island for is for it not being like all the other islands you know what i mean so like tonale for for like um to make a point like hanale you'd always be able to park on the beach at the bay and surf and grandparents could pull up they couldn't walk that good and watch their kids surf and fish right off the beach and it was like the lifestyle of our town revolved around this parking lot basically 
And after the flood, they took away that parking lot. That's always been their agenda, but we always fought it. And they just took away that beach parking, made it into a tourist trap parking lot where it's like Waikiki now. Within eight months or whatever, they op opened it and closed our beach parking. It has turned our community fucking backwards. And that's what they've been doing slowly all over the island is turning every local like special place into its own little Waikiki Hanama Bay freaking Disneyland and what they're doing is they're killing the reason people even come here like right. a lot of people come here for that special totally yeah there's those few people who oh, couldn't find parking blah 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 yeah but you come a little earlier or you have a little bit of patience what most people don't have is patience You'll find a parking spot and you get to freaking hang out. Yeah. But what they've done is they've they used like false dangers. Like those people driving on the beach are going to hit somebody. Or the kids walking. And nobody's ever been hit there. So then they create a parking lot where people are driving 40 miles per hour. And there's no local people like securing that parking lot anymore. Locals can't even find a parking spot there. You got to park freaking a football field away to walk down to the beach and it's just it's totally put like a freaking a wrench in our lifestyle here in Honolulu yeah. and so that's just like one thing and that they're doing it everywhere right so they're, they're killing that reason a lot of tourists come to our island and that's what I was trying to do as a mayor is keeping that local style in our island and using that to be the attraction for tourism that education of culture, environmentalism, and people come here and they leave here a better person instead of coming here and thinking they can do whatever they want because they paid to come here and they can have whatever they want. Yeah, you can do that at your hotel and whatever. But once you leave there and you go go on your like um, sightseeing everything, it becomes like an education. So you leave here more enlightened about how maybe you should live where you live or whatever you know what i mean and that was kind of like some of the goals i had when i tried to do the whole thing yeah so we're trying to do that at a at like a community level now and we're trying to create and so um to me that's the future of this place and that's where we should be going now. uh prior to your injury what's your relationship like with surfing at this point Fuck, my relationship with surfing is, fuck, I'm just a soul surfer who surfs when I can, and I can still surf as good as ever, but I just don't get to do it as much. I'm, like, super involved with teaching classes every day, and, um, yeah, it's been, like, kind of my goal this year is to surf more, and I've just kind of been hurt a lot, and it's just kind of, like, took me away from that, but I kind of see myself, you know pushing more into surfing again good uh do you miss it i do i just fuck it's hard you know i have three kids i got my own business it's just it's hard to find like it's hard to buy time you know it's funny that exists on as a professional surfer and a non no matter what level you're at when you're 38 those are the things you struggle with. Yeah. You can't find time to surf. Yeah. Yeah. It's and hard. it's, but it's like the exact thing that you need to put all that other stuff. It's, in it's still the most like spiritually, right. like enhancing thing for me. Like every time I surf, I'm freaking 
stoked and laughing and having fun. And, um, and you're probably I'm still better. getting barreled and fucking surfing good and whatnot. But it's just hard to get the time to like, like around here, you got to like drive around and check a bunch of spots. Or if somebody doesn't call me and be like, hey, this place is going off. Then I, I, I surf because somebody like the problem with me is like nobody tells me where the waves are. And I'm like teaching a class and then I got like three hours maybe before I got to pick up the kids or teach another class. And if I know where the waves are, I'll go surf. But usually if I can, nobody calls me, I'm like, fuck, I end up like doing yard work. Or totally. Like, you know, like. Real life stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I, if I know the waves are good and somebody tells me, I surf. Who are you getting boards from? I get boards from this guy, Will Scovel from here. He's an amazing really? shaper. Yeah. He's a friend I grew up surfing contests with. And um, I've been working with him for, for like eight years or something. And like just feedback and everything has made his boards like world class, like super amazing surfboards. Good. Like high performance S- thrusters basically? High performance, but we've what we've worked on a lot is he makes amazing thrusters, but we've took in those high performance boards and plus like a four fin setups. And we've like, reinvented like placement of the fins and other things like you know like when the um stretch boards came out and everybody's like four fins but when i'd ride them they'd be so like slippy off the bottom to where i bottom turned super hard like you know i'm a power surfer i like to freaking go hard off the bottom and hard off the top and every time i'd bottom turn on they'd kind of like skizzle like a twin fin so you'd always have to be kind of like feather foot and so what what I did is we worked together and we brought the fins closer to like four inch space. And what that did is it made a four fin surf like a three fin, but still have that drive and speed of a four fin. Hmm. So we've like we've done things that like took surfboards like around here to another level. Hmm. And then I've got him into bonzers. Like I had a couple bonzers like from Campbell Brothers. And um, I've taken him to those to him, and then he started doing bonzers. He's making like amazing bonzers. Then doing like regular boards, like high performance short boards and stuff, but as bonzers and stuff. Interesting. Yeah, so super, super fun and and uh, sick. Like just going outside of the box. Like he's always willing to go outside the box and like try stuff. Cool. Yeah. Uh, in regard to fighting, when's your next fight? Do you have anything queued up? Fuck, I wanted to fight this summer. I just fought in December 21st, and then I came out of that fight with, like, unscathed, so I could have just went right back in another fight, but I just, you know, I took two months away from working, and I made good money in the fight, but I always have to, like, keep my business going, keep keep my community good, keep my family going. So I was hoping to fight twice this year, maybe this summer sometime, and then again next winter. So that's my goal right now. Okay. Good. Yeah. Well, Dustin, thank you. Thank this you. Was awesome. It's been a pleasure. Nice. Yeah. And the question is, was I more alive than the night now? I happily had to disagree.
course, everything that Dustin and I discussed, including footage of his protests, is available on surfsplendorpodcast.com. Next week, I will have County Councilman Luke Evslin on the show to do an even deeper dive into some of these issues and how he is addressing them from inside City Hall. This series, the travel required, the time required, the work and research was all made possible through listener support. You can contribute to that effort on surfsplendorpodcast.com slash donate. And if you do in the month of April, you'll be entered to win that Timponi Channel Bottom Bat Tail Maui Leaf Light Constructed Surfboard. Doing these surfboard giveaways is our small way to say thanks to those who support us and also direct some attention towards our favorite board builders. Jeff Timponi has been building great boards for four decades. And this Maui Leaf Light construction is a really progressive effort to reduce the environmental impact of board building. And again, you can hear much more about that in the bonus episode that I am publishing today. It should be in your podcast feed right now. So check that out. And then again, a huge thanks to Tim Pony Surfboards and also to you, the listener, for supporting our work. Again, surfsplendorpodcast.com slash donate or on Venmo at Surf Splendor. And that is all for this week. Scott Bass and I are going weekly with Spit as of last week. So we dropped an episode in your feed on Tuesday, and then we'll be back again next Tuesday. Chaz and I, of course, will be back over on The Grit on Friday, and then I'll be back on Surf Splendor on Wednesday of next week with more from Kauai. So this is David Scales signing off and hoping that you are seeing the light at the end of this COVID crisis tunnel. We certainly are here in Southern California, starting to feel much more like normal. Uh, But still, until we're in the clear completely, stay six feet away from everyone, wear a mask, so that we can all get back into the ocean ASAP.